Well, hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box, right here on the AHL Report. We're so glad you joined us today on Tuesday, November 26th. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by my wonderful co-host, the very knowledgeable one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today? I'm doing well. I am. Um, hey, you don't sound. You're, yeah, not as not as as uh, <laughs> as sick as I've been the last few weeks. Getting back Yay! to normal, almost finally. Getting Congratulations! There. Thank you. It's taken a bit, but getting there. Nice. I do have some wounds, though, um, inflicted in fantasy hockey by that nasty Joseph Whalen. Really? Yeah. Did you let him win last week? Well, I, I was busy, and, and maybe I didn't tend to my lineups as diligently as I should have. And come Saturday on the podcast, uh, the Canadians Connection podcast, where he uh, and I co-host, he announced that uh, he had a commanding, dominating. He, he was a little intimidating in his in his strutting. Um, Announced that he had a nine to two lead going into a Saturday night. Um, really? So I, you know, I thought, okay, I'll see what I can do. The last two days, I set my lineups and and uh, I, I I came back. It was a bit of a comeback, but uh, the the lead, the nine two lead, proved insurmountable. So he ended up winning the week six four. Hmm. But you cut into it. Cut into the lead, yeah. So I, as, I believe I believe he moved up in the standings. That, um, uh, just bumped me down to fifth. I think he's fourth. Uh, well, and you might be a little bit higher than that. I'm not sure. Well, see, that's what I was just going to say. You know, it's um, Mr. Whalen was quite boastful about his champion, his defending his championship, and welcoming all sorts of trash talk and competition, knowing that everyone wants to take him down. So I would just like to remind him that um, I currently sit in third place overall in the league. He is in fourth. Uh So um, sorry there, uh, Mr. Farnham Flyers, but um, he's this, He's got a tough opponent this week. Well, right now, as we speak, I mean, the week has just started. We understand that the week has just started for fantasy hockey, but right now he's losing 10 to 2. So uh, whoever is in <laughs> last place is meeting is beating him 10 to 2. In fa- is that? That's Mike. That's Hade Hyde Hade like me like now. Jan Hade. Jan Hade, the former. Hade like me now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The former Avalanche defenseman. Go, Mike. We are all rooting for you. There are ten other people rooting for you to maintain the ten to two lead over the Farnham Flyers this week. All, purely because we would like to see Mike, who's graciously taken over this auto-drafted team, to move up out of the bottom of the of the standings. It's the sole reason that we're that we're rooting so hard for him to have such a successful week. And, and um, to put 
Joseph in like eighth place or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it, Whalen. Um, okay, so we've gotten fantasy hockey out of the way. Um, is do we have any other like special? Is it is it a, is there a special day or oh, anything? It's it's National Cake Day, and I don't I don't. Oh, I like cake. I don't like cake. Like pie, like pie a lot, but it's you don't like cake, cake at day. all. No, I don't. Zero. On my birthday, I would like a pie, not a cake. Zero. No variations of cake. No. Chocolate cake. No. Vanilla cake. No. Banana cake. No. Cupcakes. <laughs> no, I don't. I just don't. Coffee cake. No. What? Well, coffee cake's usually in the morning. Who wants cake in the morning? You, you want bacon. You want hash browns. You want, you know. And with that, you want a side of delicious buttery cake that's drenched in brown sugar and cinnamon and I'm streusel. <laughs> I will then take all of your servings of cake and I will stuff them in my face myself. Enjoy National Cake Day. I like it. But however, this week I will be eating all of the pie in your honor because it is Thanksgiving this week here in the U.S. And Thanksgiving is the holiday of pie. Lots and Happy lots of Thanksgiving pie. to all of our Thank you. U.S. listeners. To you too. Yes. Thank you. All of our U.S. friends, go forth and eat copious amounts of turkey and potatoes and gravy and stuffing or dressing or filling, whatever the hell you call it, and all of the side dishes. I'm one of those people that could eat a whole plate full of side dishes and not even worry about the turkey. And then give me like one, like a teeny slice of all of the pies. Like I can't, you can't just say, okay, I'll just have a slice of pumpkin pie and then ignore the pecan pie and the apple pie and the cherry pie and the coconut cream pie and no you have to have a little bit of all of them so didn't you do a pie poll i did at one point by the way speaking of polls um your cream of wheat lost my my breakfast hot breakfast cereal poll you lost the oatmeal but what a strong second um i'd have to go back and look at the standings okay then um, cause it was oatmeal. I only voted cream four or five wheat. times in that poll. You did. Well, you could, um, <laughs> oatmeal, what did I have? Oatmeal, cream of wheat, grits. Okay. And I might've had other hot cereal. Oh, cold. Maybe I put cold cereal in. I don't remember, but uh, cream of wheat definitely came in either second or third. I don't remember which. I'll have to look. You lost to oatmeal. Well, you you, you have more uh, more voters in the U.S. than we have, so we tried. We tried to get the numbers up, but cream of wheat isn't a Canadian thing. <laughs> Can you get it down there? Really? Is of it in course. like all? Oh, all right. Yeah. 
readily available in the hot breakfast aisle, and everyone looks at it and says no and moves on to the oatmeal. Maybe I'll put out a Thanksgiving food poll. All of my polls seem to revolve around food. They're like, it's like food, food, video games, and cartoons and movies. Like, those are my, (laughs) those are like my poll topics. So, okay. Um, Show of hands, who wants Thanksgiving food poll? Okay, Uh, that looks like an overwhelming majority of the listeners. So I will, of course, do what the listeners ask for. I'll put out a Thanksgiving poll. All right. Cake or pie? I'm going to bet. Well, for Thanksgiving, it's pie. You don't make a Thanksgiving cake. Hmm. We are going to talk about hockey today. I promise. Uh, we have a we have a packed episode. We're going to, of course, start with our first segment, uh, the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We're going to talk a little bit about um, some things with Laval. We won't spend too long on on their three games last week, other than than to give you a, a really brief overview of how they did. We want to talk a little bit more about. Um, things going on with the roster, give you an injury update, um, and, and talk about a couple of players in particular who um, deserve a little bit of recognition. Uh, we were also uh, proud and happy to be at the Phantoms game on Saturday night this past week um, against Belleville, who Laval is playing in Belleville tomorrow night. So it was kind of like a little covering the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and also doing a little pre-scouting for this week's Belleville game for Laval. Um, And uh, saw a great game there that we're going to talk about um, and also uh, talk to uh, Coach Troy Mann and a couple of players after the game. So we're going to, on the Belleville side, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. In the second segment, we go around the AHL. Of course, we'll talk about the player of the week. Uh, Once again, Two former Montreal Canadiens um, prospects and players that we want to uh, highlight. Uh, one of them is making some news, and the other one um, we actually had a chance to speak to, so we're going to talk about that in the second segment, um, as well as some other AHL news. Before we head over to segment three, Beyond the AHL, where I know you have a quick update about Cole Caulfield and the NCAA, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some ECHL rumblings that we've been hearing uh, before we give you a weekly preview of what kind of coverage you can expect this week. So yeah, you could say we are stacked on the content front today. Better get and all going. you want to do is talk about cake. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let's, let's start with Laval. Laval had three games last week. Uh, They traveled. It was odd. They did a one-game road trip. I don't know what the point of that was, but they they traveled to Toronto, played against the Marlies um, on the day that Sheldon Keefe got promoted once uh, Babs got fired. Uh, So quite a day to be in in the GTA uh, in the hockey world. Um, So they played in Toronto last Wednesday night. Uh, lost that game in overtime, two to one. Then they came home and they hosted Utica back to back Friday and Saturday. Um, 
barn burner on Friday night. They they won six to four against Utica on on Friday night. Uh, like I said, it was a, a bit of a barn burner. But then Saturday afternoon couldn't sustain that, uh, and they dropped that one four to two. Um, so we had mentioned last week, you know, that they needed going into things. They were tied for the lead. Uh, there was, you know, Toronto, Rochester, Laval were all bunched up right there at the top of the North division. Now Toronto has put a four game lead on Laval for first place. Uh, Laval finds themselves in third place right now with the Utica Comets, just two points behind them. Uh, and Syracuse and Cleveland in fifth and sixth place, actually just three points behind them. So the North division is tight right now. Um, really not a lot of wiggle room. So not a lot of room for mistakes. Um, and particularly for those divisional games, um, they lost two of, of those three divisional games last week, Rick. And, um, you know, that's allowed uh, Utica to, to inch closer. It's allowed Toronto a little bit of, of breathing room. And then this coming week, they've got at least two divisional games coming this week against Belleville and Syracuse. So um, this is the time that they're, they're not going to want to let those points um, slip away. And they're dealing with some injuries <laughs> for the first time, really, all season. Yeah, they've been pretty lucky. There hasn't been um, an abundance of call-ups, certainly not compared Mm -hmm. to other teams, and they haven't had injuries uh, so much themselves until very recently. Um, They've been playing a lot of games, and and that's one reason uh, that I like to look at at winning percentage rather than points in determining Mm -hmm. just where a, a, a team's at. And also the, I mean, the schedule in the the AHL is a little wonky. We know the there are teams that play fewer games over the course of the regular season. If you're just joining us, that's um, that's kind of standard. That's built into the cake. Um, mm-hmm. And um, uh, and also just because of the schedule. I mean, um, Laval's played. Laval's at the upper end. Uh, having yeah. played 21 games, you have San Diego at the lower end having played 15 games, and there's there's lots in between. So right now, when you look at the winning percentage, Laval is 12th in the still uh, would be uh, in a in a playoff spot, but but kind of middle of the pack in terms of of the league, um, with Utica fewer points, but having played far fewer games uh, mm-hmm. above them in terms of winning percentage, and of That's course right. the Marlies at the uh, at the very top of the league, uh, with um, you know only two uh, losses in regulation this year. They've mm-hmm. uh, they've been very very good, um, and they're on a six game winning team, streak, <laughs> and they are yeah. Um, the other, well, ad, uh, the Milwaukee Admirals have been insane oh my gosh 10 and 0 streak um so um i was just going to mention uh the phantoms um and i know we'll get to them in a minute but uh for comparison they're um in 17th place just kind of on the outside looking in at this moment um after that game in uh belleville uh, the game against belleville in lehigh valley that uh you mentioned um as as you began this segment 
That's right. And we and you're right. We will get to the phantoms in just a moment. First, want to just talk about a, a a few things surrounding the Laval roster. Um, now, we did mention um, that a PTO was signed by the Laval Rocket, Evan McEnany, defenseman, left-handed defenseman, because there's never enough of those. Uh, the interesting thing about this PTO that was signed is that Evan McEnany is not healthy right now. Uh, he's rehabbing from another knee injury. I believe he had surgery. Um, so he is still rehabbing, but they've signed him to a PTO right now. I Don't ask me why. Um, and the report from practice today, uh, Anthony Marcotte had reported on Twitter that McEnany did skate today with a no contact jersey. Um, so perhaps that means that his return to, to play is, a little sooner rather than later. Um, but okay, there's that. Uh, and then just uh, yesterday, I think they recalled Ryan Culkin from the main Mariners in the ECHL. Uh, Ryan Culkin is also a left-handed defenseman. Um, keep in mind, David Sklenichka, Gustav Olofsson, Otto Leskinen, and Carl Alsner are all left-handed defensemen. Um so you're, you might be asking, what is the deal? And we've had a couple of people say, oh, they must be cooking something up. Well, sometimes, yes, we, we might speculate that that's the case. In this case, um, with Xavier Wellett still out, David Sklenichka has been drawing in, um, playing on his wrong side. He's been playing right-handed, but, but he has been drawing in. And I quick side note, stick tap to David Sklenichka, uh, got his first goal of the season, on Saturday afternoon, and it was the goal that triggered the teddy bear toss, and could not be happier. Couldn't have happened to a to a better player. Um, so that's a that's a great thing for David Sklenichka. Um But Noah Jolson has been battling an illness for the last a little over a week. He missed a game or two last week because of a virus, and then he missed the game on Saturday again because he was sick. Um, and they're about to go on a three game road trip this week, and with Julson out with illness, there were zero defensemen uh, waiting in the wings in the press box. So likely the Ryan Culkin call-up is a little bit of an insurance policy as they go on the road in case that happens again with anyone. Um, and McEnany's not healthy yet. So, yes, there's an influx of left-handed defensemen right now. They sort of need them. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, although if um... – I mean, Willette also shoots left. So, uh, and I know mm-hmm. uh, there's been some some swapping and and um, players playing in their offsides. Um, but it would seem that if you if you needed anybody, you'd you'd need somebody uh, more so on the right side. But um, the 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 Evan McEnany one is is a little odd because usually um, PTOs are signed when um, you need a player. Um, and he isn't, as, as you said, he's had surgery, he's rehabbing from surgery. Um, there's no, um, timeline been given on, on when, how long that's going to take and when he'll be, be available. Um, so, uh, and, and I, I mean, his PTO is based on, I was asked this question, um, doesn't, doesn't that cut into the number of games, uh, number of of uh, weeks of his PTO. PTO is based on games. 25 games is a limit for a PTO. 
so mm-hmm. the clock doesn't actually start until um, he plays. Um, but there was some reason why um, Lavelle wanted to get this player under contract. Maybe they, they knew that he would sign elsewhere uh, before he was ready. Uh, or maybe they they um, wanted some backup, and and you know we we've we've seen that there's been smoke um, elsewhere suggesting um, uh, a transaction, maybe well into the future, but maybe this is um, this is some advanced planning as well, uh, making sure that um, if somebody's on the move from that left side that they have um, uh, someone they, they have confidence in uh, to step in and, and take over. Um, we just don't know uh, there's, there's, there's too little information, particularly as, as this uh, not being given any timeline on, on the injury rehab. And that of course leads to much speculation. Absolutely. And, and the forward position is also dealing with some injuries right now as well. Um, Phil Veroni is still out. He'll be out for a while with that wrist injury. Um, Dale Weiss was out with illness again on Saturday. Hopefully he's recovered from that, but Alex Belzeal went down uh, this past week, uh, took a hit from behind along the boards, took a little while to get off the ice. Didn't look very good uh, being helped off of the ice. Um, some said coach after the game said, um, Oh, you know, he, we kept him out for precautionary reasons, but he said he felt fine after the game. Well, as everyone knows, and, and we don't know if it's a concussion or not, but everyone knows that concussion system symptoms many times don't appear until the next day or, or next two days. And as it turned out, Belzeal was held out of both games on Friday and Saturday, and he did not skate at practice again today, which to me indicates that he is likely not going on this road trip. Um, so they're, they're down Alex Belzeal as well. Um, and so some may be limit. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're missing. Willette, you're missing Veroni. You're missing Alex Belzeal. Charles Sudan has been called up and sent down and called up and sent down. And we'll talk about that situation in a moment. Um, Dale Weiss has been injured or, or ill. Noah Juleson is, and oh my goodness, you know, but they're still managing to win despite all of this disparity and adversity in the lineup. I, I just want to let folks know um, the Laval Rocket has been exceptionally fortunate, uh, knock on wood, in the first two months of this season. Um, what they're dealing, the only Okay, Paling was called up for a couple of games, and Charles Houdon has been the other transaction that's been back and forth. Other than that, they're not dealing with call-ups at all, um, and their injuries have been pretty average for their number of, of injuries. Um, we spoke to representatives from, from two different teams this weekend, Rick, who talked about true actual depletion of rosters from call-ups and injuries. Um, who've who've been just on the phone constantly calling up new ECHL guys, signing new PTOs. Um, so I think I think it's safe to say Laval's actually been been on the more fortunate side as far as uh, roster movements gone so far this season. And, and um, I mean, uh, two other things. There's a lot of roster carryover from last year for mm-hmm. Laval as well. Uh, you know, whenever we run into a scout or, or a, a rep of another team, they always talk about 
the amount of NHL experience on the Laval Rocket, which um, certainly gives them, uh, well, and they also uh, refer to the, the, the NHL dollars that are being paid, but uh, which gives them a, a bit of advantage. So, um, you know, you, you look around at, at um, look at the, the, the Charlotte Checkers, the, the Calder Cup champs, um, almost their entire roster, at least two thirds of their roster got turned over as, as players went elsewhere, their head coach went elsewhere. Um, and um, they've had to scramble to add Kirby Reichel, former um, mm-hmm. uh, Montreal Canadian prospect. Uh, Kirby Reichel was just signed last week by um, Charlotte as, as they're looking to bolster um, their lineup. Um, and it, 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 you know, um, injuries and, and call-ups and it's, it's part of the game. It's part of, it's part of, of the AHL. It's, it's what happens. And so, um, yeah, I, I, um, it's, it's what has to be planned for and it's what, uh, has to be managed. Absolutely. And it only gets worse as the season progresses. Injuries pile up in the NHL as the season gets deeper. Injuries in the AHL pile up as the season gets deeper. And then once you pass the trade deadline, then you're looking at, you know, uh, playoff teams, uh, NHL teams in general are going to start calling up contingents of, of prospects to either get them some NHL time, uh, see how they look, or if they're prepping for a playoff run, start getting them acclimated. So, getting your roster depleted is, is part and parcel of, of playing in the American league. Just like you just said, Rick, um, I, one, go ahead. I was just going to say, I had reason to look up the, uh, Laval roster in their inaugural season. And, and that mm-hmm. was the season that I don't remember exactly how many, but there were in the neighborhood of 200 transactions, uh, required, uh, and, for the Laval insane. rocket. Insane. Uh, and and you just notice there's seven goaltenders that year. There was at least 20 defensemen that year. It it was it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, the the amount the number of transactions that 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 particular had, team had to to uh, cope with. Absolutely, one player in particular that's certainly on that uh, roster up and down is Charles Sudan. Um, he is back up with the Canadians again. Should be playing again tonight. Um, Kudos to Charles Houdon. He's he's looks like he's managing to do some good things uh, while he's up with Montreal. So the question, Rick, and I know I know you and Joseph talked about this briefly on on the Canadians Connection this past weekend. But for any of our listeners who might not have caught it, there's a lot of back and forth uh, on social media. Is is the up and down with Houdon? managing his his waiver exemption time or is it managing cap hit um and you think it's a little bit of both correct right what, what i don't think is it necessarily um as some have suggested on social media relates to his play charles uh, houdon has Mm-mm. shown glimpses of of improvement um, he had a rough game against the Rangers. Uh, he was a minus three in that game and, and, uh, uh, didn't look good in his own zone, but, uh, his, his being sent to Lavelle, uh, right after the game, as has been done, um, uh, four weeks now, um, hadn't had little to do with his, his play and, and was more related to number one, um, saving, 
uh, saving days, uh, el- waiver eligible days um, for him, 30 days. Uh, he can be on the lo- roster and be waiver eligible um, or waiver exempt. I'm sorry. Um, but the other thing is the Canadians seem fixated on saving cap dollars this year. And certainly uh, when they send uh, Charles Houdon, it, it doesn't have help with his family budgeting um, as he's no. <laughs> uh, paid in Lavelle dollars, not Montreal dollars. Uh, no, actually, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. Um, I shouldn't say that. I, 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 sh- I should check and see. I think he's on a one-way contract. But uh, irregardless, it, it's not charged to the cap of the, um, of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so they are saving, and and it's it's comes to thousands of dollars. But uh, they are they are ensuring that that those thousands of dollars uh, are are saved rather than spent uh, for a, a a player who um, is going to have a day off or is or is going to be a practice day. They're saving that money. The Canadians are also saving money when it comes to uh, using their full roster space and calling up an extra forward or calling up an extra defenseman. We noticed that um, throughout the season, they have, it's a little risky. Uh, mm-hmm. You have enough players to play the game, but if somebody gets injured in warm-up, oftentimes you want to have an extra insurance guy there, but that charges against the cap and the Canadians have regularly not done that this season, which again, it looks like they're, they're saving their pennies. Um, and it's curious, given that the Canadians have so much uh, cap room right now. However, if um, again, if if um, if a move is being planned uh, where they have to uh, put that money towards a, 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 a player who who has a significant salary coming in on a trade, um, there they look like they're 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 planning for that in case that happens. Um, guarding their their cap very um, very strenuously this year. Um, so, um, not saying that something is up, but I think they are preparing in case something uh, is available. One last thing before before we head over to uh, talking about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and and what we saw from them this past weekend. Just want to give you a moment to to touch on. Uh, Jake Evans, who we've talked about it uh, recently. He finally scored his first goal of the season. Jake Evans was a guy who um, people got, Habs fans got really excited about Jake Evans uh, in the preseason during training camp um, as he was playing the way we've, we've seen him play uh, last year uh, and, and improving on his game, really making an impact. But ever since he got sent back, uh, cut from camp and sat down to Laval, um, a little bit of that shine seemed to come off. Uh, He's been struggling to get on, on the point sheet uh, struggling as far as maintaining a consistent position in the lineup. He goes from first line to fourth line to third line to, to uh, getting scratched. Um, so a little bit all over the place. And it actually ended up that he was supposed to be scratched a couple of weeks ago for a Saturday game, but Charles Sudan got his first call up. And so Jake Evans had to play and Jake Evans ended up scoring an empty netter, which was his first goal of the season, which was, you could tell from his reaction, a very big relief for him. Um, 
And since then, he's he's had a little bit of, of stronger, more consistent play. We've had the question, what's going on with Jake Evans, and is there a lot of upside there? And, and we have always said yes. And can you explain to our listeners a little bit about why we are such an adamant, yes, Jake Evans has a lot of upside? Well, um, yeah, as you said, um, he got his, his first goal, empty net goal, that was kind of engineered and, and uh, got that on the 16th of November. He's added a second. Um, and with five assists, seven points, uh, minus nine uh, in 21 games. And um, and it's been bounced all over the place. Uh, um, and, um, you know, after such a, a, a good... Uh, training camp and where where um, you know there was a case to be made for him staying uh, with the team um, he was sent down what, what what has happened and and to to answer that I think you have to look into who is Jake Evans what motivates Jake Evans and um, you know we've known him for for a while um, four years um, at Notre Dame um, the, the last two years, uh, he was a, an alternate captain, his final year, he was the captain of the team. And, um, you know, we, you know, the games that I watched, um, at, uh, the, the NCAA game, a games I watched in his last year where he was the captain, he regularly took that team on his back and, and he was always out there, uh, for the important shifts. He was out there at the end of the game and, and I remember him scoring, uh, you know, late goals to tie things up. And um, he was the guy the coach counted on. Um, and, um, you know, last year uh, we interviewed him in, he, he got off to a pretty good start last year. And um, uh, when we interviewed him in February, um, you said to him, what's, what's the reason for um, your success? And, and he said, um, I've been given a lot of opportunity. Um, I, I, you know, um, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm able to play in a lot of different situations. He talked about uh, playing with more mature line mates, um, mm-hmm. but it seemed like he had the coach's trust. And um, we talked to him at the rookie showcase and, and he was very good there as well. Um, and it was, it was, it was interesting because this is a, a, a player that's in his second year pro and he talked about leadership a lot. And it was kind of um, something that made your head turn because here is this, this um, still relatively young guy. He's only 23 years old. And he was talking about mentoring the younger guys at the rookie showcase, talking about how important it was for him to show his leadership skills and he mentioned three times the word trust. He talked about the biggest thing for me is I want to be a trusted player this year. I value being trustworthy. That's right. Um, and that word was, um, uh, he talked about the, the primary things being trustworthy and being um, a leader, being there for the young guys, um, showing how much he had grown from last year. Um, he talked about being ready for, to take on more responsibility, uh, and, and, um, be the, the player that the coach calls on in, in important situations. Um, he, he mentioned that over and over and over again, the season started and, and yeah, he, he started, um, 
uh, with with uh, Belzile and, and Houdon, but um, he was shifted out of that role quick, quite quickly, quite early. Um, and he talked about, oh, he, he had some tough bounces. And then, um, you know, he never, he never got it back. He, he, I think was because he didn't have that. It was clear he didn't have the, the coach's trust and that being the thing that was so important to him being the, the player that was being relied on, he, he lost his way. Um, and, uh, being bounced all over the lineup hurt him. Um, and, and he went into it with expectations that, uh, okay, if it didn't work out with the Canadians, that he would be a leader with, um, the rocket and with all of these players with, uh, NHL experience and, and even those with, with significant AHL experience, um, Jake Evans was kind of left to the the wayside, and I think that hurt his his uh, mental approach to the game, and and uh, he he has suffered since then. He has, and I I hope, as you say, it's these are the kinds of things that are difficult for particularly any player to deal with, but particularly young players, as you say, it was when we talked to him at the rookie showcase, we were pleasantly surprised to hear him talk about how, how important it was to him to, to have leadership uh, and have, and be able to mentor guys who are just a year behind him and how important it was for him to be a trusted guy uh, on the ice and in the locker room. And, and we looked at each other and said, wow, that's like Jake Evans has matured leaps and bounds in the last year what what a presence um and so despite that he is still young and so to come down and face that kind of adversity where he's expecting um that he's going to be relied on that he's going to be a trusted player that he's going to get to continue to play that leadership role and then as you say things kind of fall apart at the seams a little bit and that doesn't necessarily happen right away and then it's just kind of like a vicious cycle as as he doesn't perform, the coach moves him around on the lineup. He kind of gets further down on himself. It's the, the, the dealing with the emotions and the mental part of the game is such a big part of, of the development side of young players. Um, and it's, it's the part that's not talked about enough. It really isn't. Yes. You can, you can do drills all day. You can do off ice strength and conditioning all day. You can eat the right things, get enough sleep. But at the end of the day, you and your own thoughts as a player can sometimes be your own worst enemy. And if you don't have the right support system in place um, can really kind of churn in your head. And so I'm hoping I'm really hoping that that now with with a couple of points on the board now he's going to start gaining some of that confidence and as he gains the confidence that he gets to be relied on a little bit more and and earns a little more of the coach's trust and gets put into some uh, more positions of being trusted and hopefully he's able to gain all of that back and get back to where he was um, because I, I really think Jake Evans could be a very valuable piece of the Laval Rocket team. Um, and so I'd like to see him get there sooner rather than later. Well, and Jake Evans is a, is still a prospect. And um, these prospects, they're, they're not dumb. They know when a coach is sending out 
uh, Willette and Weiss and Belzeal and Pekka to kill penalties or, or Barber and, and, you know, to, 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 to be on the power play that um, that's, and, 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 and when you're focused primarily on winning rather than development, that's what happens when, when big face-offs are needed and Kevin Lynch is set, sent out instead of Ryan Paling um, mm-hmm. to take the draw. These, these guys, they've come from Paling was, was uh, relied on in NCAA. Um, Evans was, and, and um, that it's, it's tough for them. It hurts their motivation to, uh, to watch and particularly for those guys. Um, I, I mean, Alsner is, and, and, and we'll let these guys don't have futures with the Montreal Canadians. Um, it's, it's these prospects who do, and they have to be out there and trusted and make their mistakes, um, and learn from them and, uh, and develop that way. They absolutely do. Uh, next week, we're probably going to spend uh, an equal amount of time talking about another young prospect uh, who who has been a little bit not- more noticeable this year, Lucas Vedemo. Uh, he's doing some really good things and, and hopefully um, is going to continue to progress. So we're going to talk uh, next week a little bit more in depth about Lucas Vedemo's game and, and w- how far he's come in the last year. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, we're going to quickly just switch over to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we were in the PPL Center Saturday night for their game against Belleville. The Phantoms, uh, we had mentioned last week, they were in a bit of a slump. Uh, they had they had lost uh, all three games the, follow- the prior week, and so they were hosting Charlotte for two games this past week, which can be a bit of a formidable opponent. Um, but Charlotte this year is not the Charlotte of last year. The Charlotte is actually uh, second to last in the Atlantic division. They're only seven and seven right now. Um, and the Phantoms were actually able to come out with two wins against Charlotte. So they were kind of riding high for Saturday night uh, when the Belleville senators came to town for their only visit to the Lehigh Valley for this year. Um, but at the same time, uh, Belleville and Binghamton have been duking it out at the bottom of the North Division, and Belleville was coming off of a dominant win against Binghamton the night before, and so they were coming in with with a bit of a, a streak, and uh, and feeling pretty good about themselves. So we saw Rick a, a pretty tightly played game. Uh, certainly, um, there was not a lot of scoring happening. That can, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, one thing is for sure, um, Mr. Formanton is quite a hockey player for Belleville, and there's a reason why Laval has trouble against the likes of him and Drake Batherson and Vitaly Abramov. Um, but my goodness, Alex Formanton, what a 200-foot player. Alex Formanton uh, really liked um, his game when we saw him at the rookie uh, tournament. He was a force, as you say at all ends of the ice uh, against uh, the Phantoms Um, had a goal and an assist, but uh, that doesn't even come close to explaining um, how well he played and and the effect that he had on the game. Um, As you said, pretty evenly uh, played in, in the first period. And then the Phantoms um, started shooting from it everywhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. Outshot Belleville 29, 11 over the last 40 minutes. And, um, uh, Philippe Gustafson was was very good 
Um, yes, he was. I should say though that that um, um, that Lehigh Valley was forced to uh, and to take uh, a lot of uh, poor quality shots, uh, and the difference was that um, uh, uh, Belleville had fewer shots, but uh, good quality shots. They went to the net. Um, uh, you know, they weren't necessarily the goals weren't necessarily the fault of of uh Jeff Brube um he got a third star in the game I that was a bit of a a hometown pick I think because uh, so. <laughs> he, he he didn't have much work the last two periods um but uh a really good um uh effort by Belleville to shut down uh Lehigh Valley from from uh those uh uh high quality scoring chances um it was it was a very well played game by by Belleville it was, and uh, we mentioned Vitaly Abramov. He was one that really stood out to us at the Rookie Showcase in Belleville. We spoke to him afterwards and, and asked, you know, what does a win like this do for the team as you're struggling to, to really make a push to move up in the standings? Well, it was a huge win for us on the road, like second game. It's always hard, but uh, we found a way to win. Of course, it helps like us. I don't know. I think we just play more structured and um, – work harder than at the beginning of the season and it works out well for us. So playing more structured than they did at the beginning of the season. And we spoke with uh, head coach Troy Mann after the game too, uh, Rick, as well as uh, a, a not to be named. We're going to save the surprise on who else we got to speak with for the second segment. Um, but talk to, talk to a couple of players and coach Troy Mann about what Belleville's doing right. And, and Troy Mann said essentially the same thing and that he's just, he's relying on his, his offense to produce the way that they're able to, but defensively they're getting a bit better. Um, and their goaltending has shored up. As you said, Gustafson uh, was lights out. He, he played an excellent game and they've got Hogberg um, as their backup who had been in net the night before when they won uh, in Binghamton. Keeping in mind too, on the phantom side, there's a there's a team that's also just rife with injury. Um, Connor Bunnerman out, um, German Rupsoff recently out with injury. Um, I believe Isaac Ratcliffe is also out with injury, um, and of course Sam Moran um, sustained an injury at the at the upper level. He's he's out. He's done for the season as well. So. Lots of injuries for the Phantoms. They just could not contain Belleville. And it's interesting, Rick. It's We even said this to, to Troy Mann afterwards. You and Laval play each other 12 times a year. And no matter how well Laval's playing or how not well Belleville's, Belleville always seems to have their ticket. And he, he kind of chuckled. And I, I kind of was like a, yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> so, you know, this Wednesday, um, I think Troy Mann's group is going to feel pretty good after these two wins um, with Laval coming into their home barn. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do with that. It's a great rivalry between the two and, and uh, the proximity has something to do with that. And uh, the folks that we spoke to um, with Belleville said they're, they're always uh, amused and appreciate the energy when Laval comes to town, because there's all kinds of Canadians jerseys in the building. And um, it just, um, if anything, uh, helps them, uh, help the senators, that is, uh, to uh, bring their best against Laval. 
The one thing I will give you before we head off to our our first break is I'm going to give you a little teaser of a clip from uh, one of the Belleville players uh, newly newly, um, brought into the team who is a former uh, Montreal Canadiens prospect who, of course, will now be be facing his former team on um, Wednesday. And he has a special request. He has a special request and, and hope for the game on Wednesday. So it'll be pretty funny to look over the red line and see those guys again. Hopefully, uh, Charlie lets me put one in. It'd be nice. (laughs) So it looks like he's hoping Charlie Lindgren is in that and that Charlie's going to let one slide in. Knowing Charlie Lindgren, I don't think think it's going to be that easy. But uh, we'll tell you who that player is on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined, of course, by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to reach out to us anytime during the week on Twitter. That's the best and fastest way to find us if you need uh, a if you have a question or if you want to chat about hockey or just follow along with all of our live game coverage and articles and so forth. So be sure you're following at the AHL Report on Twitter. Uh, Rick, we're going to start this around the AHL segment with a familiar, uh, familiar news item, which would be the CCM AHL Player of the Week. This year, it's a, or this week, it's a Providence Bruins fan who has a pretty fun name. Not quite as fun as Ukopeka Lukanen, but it's kind of close. It's Providence, <laughs> def- uh, Providence Bruins defenseman Urho Vakaninen. Uh, is the CCM AHL Player of the Week who had two goals, three assists, and a plus six rating in just two games last week. Uh, he was actually up with the Boston Bruins earlier in the week, which is why he didn't uh, play in more games. He uh, he was skating in Bru- Boston Bruins victories at New Jersey on Tuesday and against Buffalo on Thursday, came back into the Providence lineup on Saturday night, got two assists and then had two goals and an assist. uh, And one of those goals was the game winner on Sunday afternoon against Hershey. So um, not too shabby for the 20 year old, kind of a busy week. (laughs) Not bad at all. And uh, another one of those Providence Bruins who's having a pretty good season. That is Jack Stadnika. His rookie season in the AHL. He's, 
in the top 20 in AHL scoring uh, got the call and he will be making his NHL debut tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Ooh. Do I say out loud what usually happens when guys make their NHL debut against the Canadians? No, no, that's fine. Okay. I'll just leave it there. And we'll, he has, uh, uh, he has <laughs> we'll eight see. points in his last five games with, uh, with Providence. So oh, uh, he's coming in on a bit of a hot streak. Excellent. 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 Um, <laughs> I'll leave all comments <laughs> to myself. Um, there's been another recent uh, NHL call-up that I want to tip the hat to. I feel like if it's not Chris Terry we're talking about, <clears throat> then it's Dan Carr. And yes, Daniel Carr, we've we've mentioned, I mean, he, he, he ran circles around the Laval Rocket when they played the Milwaukee Admirals a couple of weeks ago. He is part of that Milwaukee Admirals team that, Rick, you mentioned is on a 10-game winning streak right now. Uh, and Dan Carr has been lights out from Milwaukee uh, and frankly in the AHL yet again this season earned himself a call up to the Nashville Preds with um, Victor Arvidsson going out after that nasty hit Ugh. Uh, the, cro- the couple of cross checks the other night gets called up yesterday plays for the Nashville Preds and oh scored the shootout winning goal not, you know, and named first small. star. And named first star. And as the Preds PR account said, Dan Carr has scored four times in the shootout this season, with all four resulting as the game deciding goal. So he's he's he shot the game deciding shootout goal three times for the Milwaukee Admirals this season, and last night he did it for the Preds. But he's hey, having... no, we don't need Dan Carr. Yeah, he's having a great season in the AHL. He's uh, number six in scoring in the AHL, even though he's only played 16 games uh, because mm-hmm. of his calls, call-ups. Um, 1.31 points per game um, at the AHL level. Um, 21 points, 16 games. That's that's terrific. And uh, uh, came in last night, and, and uh, Jake Allen was standing on his head, 37 saves. And uh, the the task was passed to uh, Dan Carr to go in the shootout and uh, made it look kind of easy. Uh, great <laughs> shot, as we know, Dan Carr has. Um, yeah, he uh, does. Beat Jake Allen and and uh, and won the game and picked up first star. Arvidsson's projected to be out for four to six weeks. He 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 took some nasty uh, nasty beating uh there the other night so dan carr has the potential if he keeps playing like that to find himself uh playing quite a few nhl games uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for him but certainly uh didn't waste any time putting his stamp on the nashville predators so good for him uh One quick news item, AHL-related. The AHL and the NHL officially uh, came to a new uh, extension to their development agreement for officiating, uh, extending that agreement for another four years. And, Rick, as we've mentioned before, yes, the American Hockey League is uh, a fantastic player development league for the NHL. It's also a coaching development league for the NHL, but it is also 
quite frankly, an officiating development league for the NHL as well. Um, we have the the happy occasion uh, once in a while to to bump into someone from the uh, head officiating office from the NHL uh, who's down taking a look at his AHL officials and uh, we've we've heard from him quite often um, just how important getting the experience at the AHL level is for officiating and so it's good to see uh, another four years that that agreement's in place. It's it's always great to run in Danny and and uh, and he uh, is always very proud. It's always very fascinating to me when he he says the path that these officials have come uh, to the AHL and then um, as we know many of them uh, move on to the NHL. They do, and so uh, great to see that that partnership continuing. Uh, so we teased it a little bit at the end of, of the last segment there. The Belleville senators uh, recently recalled a defenseman from actually just last week um, from the ECHL from, from South Carolina, from the stingrays. Uh, and it's a familiar name for uh, Canadians fans. And that would be one Tom Parisi who uh, after playing four years for Providence college in the NCAA uh, of which his final year, his senior year there, he was the captain for Providence and then went and uh, played uh, five games at the end of that season with the St. John's Ice Caps uh, before playing a full season with the Ice Caps in their, in their last year at St. John's. Um, and then, of course, played the, the full season with the Laval Rocket uh, in their inaugural season. And you may have think you may think to yourself, Tom Parisi, Tom. Well, what happened to him? Well, uh, we're actually going to have a, a full video out with this exclusive interview that we had with with Tom Parisi, as well as Vitaly Abramov and and Troy Mann, um, coming up uh, very soon today on our All Habs Hockey Magazine uh, YouTube account. So you'll want to be sure to watch the full interview. I won't give it all away here, um, but Tom Parisi did take a year off. The reason you might be wondering, "Mm, I I didn't hear about him landing anywhere last year, is because he didn't play last year. Uh, And he is working his way back uh, into hockey. Uh, And so far this season, he's played 13 games in the ECHL, and he has five goals and seven assists and is a plus 14. Yes, I said that correctly, a plus 14. Uh, And so Belleville is one of those teams that has just been absolutely decimated with call-ups and injuries. And so uh, as Troy Mann told us, uh, he had tapped their ECHL affiliate, the Brampton Beast, uh, quite a few times in the last couple of weeks. So they they took a shot on Tom Parisi, and he's already got an assist. He's played in two games. And uh, Rick, he, he... he held his own pretty well on Saturday night. And, and um, as Troy Mann said, he, he consulted with uh, members of their organization. They knew um, about uh, Tom Parisi. Um, uh, Troy Mann said that they, um, you know, were very impressed with uh, that. He had so much AHL experience already. So there was, there was uh, new systems to, to uh, figure out, but that um, he was pretty, steady and they were looking for a puck moving defenseman um mm-hmm. i i've always uh, called uh, uh tom parisi the the best passer on the team um when uh, uh the the affiliate was in st john's 
Um, and uh, they've, I, obviously they've noticed the same thing in Belleville and, and he's already playing on the second wave of their power play. They were looking mm-hmm. for a bit of a quarterback on, on the, the second wave and, and he slotted in uh, right there. Um, Tom himself said that he's been getting a lot of opportunity um, on special teams um, with South Carolina. Uh, they are the Capitals affiliate. And, uh, and so it's, he's had some adjustment, but uh, he's felt quite comfortable uh, moving in uh, to uh, the Belleville situation. He said the only thing that, that uh, has been a big change for him is that he hasn't worn long pants all year in South Carolina. And that will change. <laughs> going back to Belleville. <laughs> That's right. Yes, he, he did say, he did say that. Um, we actually, so I will, I will give you one or two uh, peeks at that interview. First of all, uh, you know, you take a year off of hockey, Rick, um, you lose game conditioning pretty quickly um, and, and it can be hard to get back, but luckily for Tom Parisi, it has not taken him long in, in this very young season to to get that call up from the ECHL so we asked him how he's feeling just in these first two games back in the American League what's the biggest is there an adjustment you had that year off are you are you feeling like you still need to get into game condition are you feeling like your body's there and I I feel good I mean I feel pretty good the legs feel good I mean I think uh, I started off really well in in the East Coast League with with uh, South Carolina and then it's just a matter of just the pace here is a little bit higher obviously Um, so just getting used to that and different teammates and different systems kind of like an information overload the first couple days here got here Wednesday so that's, you know, that's all part of it. But I feel good, and uh, hopefully, I mean, mental breaks are always a good thing, and the body's uh, not going to be holding up so far. So, so he said, the one thing that I had that is definitely apparent from the moment you watch this video is I think Tom Parisi's really excited to be playing hockey again and really excited to be back in the American League. Did, did you get that impression as well? For sure, being reacquainted with his love for hockey uh i think was pretty evident and uh tom parisi is is a smart player uh which helps him uh getting back he's uh, he's a good puck mover and he's a great skater and uh all of that will help him uh being back in the ahl absolutely one other quote that i just want to play for us quickly rick um was in response to that last season that he played uh, was that inaugural season in Laval uh, ended up being uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, Nick Carrier, Donal uh, Dufresne's last season uh, coaching the, the Canadians AHL affiliate and was for all intents and purposes, it was, it was just a disaster that the, the season overall was, was very poorly played. Um, lots going on. And we, we asked, Tom Parisi, if it was difficult to get over having a season like that, um, and this is just a little a little smidge of of a longer answer that you'll need to go watch the interview. But here's just a, a little piece of it. It's you know team success is is very dependent on uh, you know on, on the individuals as well and, and vice versa. So it's 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 one and one, and clearly we didn't have the team success which which hurt everyone involved, um, coaches included. The last two words to me speak volumes, um, coaches included. And, and that was, you know, he, he talks about how um, because of such a poor season, players didn't necessarily have good opportunities going forward. And for him to add in that it, that 
happened to the coaches as well, I thought was um, a really interesting addition for him to make. He didn't have to put that inclusion in there, um, but it was interesting to me that he did. There's, there's no question. And uh, he isn't the only one to say it. It was a complete organizational failure um, by the Montreal Canadians. The, the first year uh, Laval, uh, the, that the affiliate was in Laval and uh, that that deeply affected um, many of the players on that team and, and the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a great interview. Um, we're, we're thrilled to see Tom Parisi back uh, playing in the American League. It's going to be very fun to, to watch him and the Belleville Senators take on Laval when Laval visits Belleville this Wednesday. As I said, I don't think that Charlie Lindgren is going to give his friend Tom Parisi a free pass on uh, an open net or anything, but <laughs> it'll be good to see how that all works out. Uh, be sure to keep an eye on the All Habs Hockey Magazine YouTube page. Uh, later today, that full exclusive uh, interview video will be posted, and uh, you don't want to miss it. He, uh, all, all three of the guys who we interviewed had some great things to say, and you definitely want to check that out. Uh, With that being said, we are going to take one more quick break. And on the other side, we're going to go beyond the AHL, talk a little NCAA, and talk a little bit about ECHL affiliate rumblings. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to the third segment of From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Thanks so much for joining us uh, for this week's episode. Uh, It's been packed so far, and we are not done yet. Don't forget, of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at the AHL Report. Rick, the NCAA, Habs fans have, I've never seen Habs fans so focused on the NCAA before this year. And, and that Cole Caulfield guy just really seems to have everyone's attention. So it's like we have to have the weekly check in on Cole. Um, <laughs> has there been any news uh, with, with the young man playing for the Wisconsin Badgers hockey team? 
pretty quiet weekend for him last weekend um, as um, as Wisconsin was up against uh, Minnesota. Uh, just one assist, uh, and that came uh, on the power play. Um, uh, Sean Doogie goal, uh, Caulfield with the assist, um, which puts him at uh, 16 points in 14 games um, uh, so far this season. Um, I guess the only thing that was a little different so far uh, this year, um, Tony Granato, the, the, the head coach, uh, has kept his lineup pretty static with some in, some players uh, uh, coming in and out of the lineup. But um, the lines themselves have been mostly uh, the same. But this is the first time, and, and uh, um, might remember that uh, I was pretty impressed with the uh, Buffalo prospect, Linus Weisbach, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, when we saw uh, Wisconsin playing Penn State and Linus uh, Weisbach had been playing on the left side of the second line, uh, Turcotte in the middle, uh, Caulfield on the right side, uh, that line that though, that line had been together all season and um, uh, Linus Weisbach earned a uh, promotion to the first line with um, uh, draft eligible, uh, top 10 draft eligible prospect Dylan Holloway. Um, and uh, Owen Lundmark on the right side. So um, Roman Akan is is now the, the left winger for um, Alex Turcotte, Cole Caulfield, um, and um, uh, a bit, so some some new players to get used to. Although uh, Cole gets with with him getting most of his points on the um, power play um he's uh you know that hasn't changed and so um um he's he's still able to uh produce as he did uh this past weekend with one assist in the two games always something to keep an eye on uh things keep changing but glad to see uh Cole Caulfield still doing well and it'll be uh it'll be curious to see how those new line combos uh work for Wisconsin going uh going down forward from now switching from the ncaa to the echl we lament constantly rick don't we <laughs> that uh for two years now the, the montreal Canadiens have been missing an echl affiliate uh it means that um they have to rely on ECA they have to rely on echl teams uh to hold on to extra roster players uh, from the Laval Rocket, but those teams mostly have affiliations with other NHL clubs. And so, you know, the, the Montreal players maybe don't get uh, priority as far as ice time or, or positioning or special teams and so on and so forth. Um, and they're also not playing in, in the same uh, kind of system that they would be playing uh, say when when the Canadians had the Brampton Beast as their ECHL affiliate. And so there's been lots of rumblings about um, the pros and cons and, and why, it's a, why it's a need. In fact, we talked recently about even at the goaltending level, the, the carousel and the, the whole rigmarole with Michael McNiven, uh, who, who moved ECHL affiliates because there wasn't enough room. And now there's there's been for a while um, all of the rumblings that – there's a, a new arena being built in Trois Rivières in Quebec, um, and lots of speculation that the Canadians would want to put an ECHL affiliate of their own in that building. So, 
we should probably talk a little bit about that. Again, every, it's hard to, and maybe we haven't talked about it much up till now, because at this point, everything is kind of speculation and putting pieces together and, and guesswork because the team has not come out with any official information yet. Um, and so what are, what are your thoughts on, on the prospects of having an ECHL affiliate in Trois Rivières? Um, there's also been rumblings that, you know, people want a, a QMJHL team there. There just seems to be a lot of cross information and not able to really hook onto anything solid. Well, the one thing we do know is that um, the development stream has been a bit of a mess for the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I would argue, um, yes, the Canadians have had no ECHL affiliate for two years. I would argue it's been three because uh, the year prior That's to that, true. they shared uh, the affiliation, not necessarily officially, but, but they shared the affiliation of Brampton with uh, Ottawa and uh, that didn't work either uh, for mm-hmm. the Montreal prospects. Um, so it's been it's been in turmoil and and has led to um, some some really difficult times for um, the Canadians uh, prospects, uh, as you said, um, not able, not guaranteed, not 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 uh, prioritized when it comes to ice time. They don't have their own coach there. Um, uh, there's a number of problems and I've always argued and, and I'm glad to see some others are picking it up now uh, looking at major league baseball and the, the, the triple a double a kind of format where the, where the um, parent club kind of runs the whole thing. And we look to the Newfoundland growlers uh, and their affiliation with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto has um, what you can call a triple a affiliation with the Marlies and a double A affiliation uh, in St. John's with, with the growlers. And that is uh, that they select the coaching staff. Um, they, they control the development stream. They control who's on the, on each of the, their affiliates. Um, and, and it's really a model uh, and, and they put some money into it too. And it's a really a model that, uh, uh, several teams are using and um, and have wor- has worked out very well. Uh, as we know, the Growlers uh, were the Kelly Cup champs last mm-hmm. season. Um, so uh, the and and the principal owner of 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 um, Newfoundland, Newfoundland Growlers is Dean McDonald. Uh, we know some folks that are leftovers from the St. John's franchise. Glenn Stanford, uh, uh, we know quite well and was very good to us. Trevor Murphy. Um, those guys are still involved with the Growlers who were involved with the, the Ice Caps. And, and uh, at, <laughs> they didn't really have time to celebrate their Kelly Cup championship when they got embroiled in uh, a lease dispute with the city of St. John's. Mm-hmm. Um, it was bitter, bitter negotiations uh, for Mile One Arena uh, with the St. John's City Council uh, welcoming the team, uh, their championship team, with a 65% uh, lease increase. At least that's that's what Dean McDonald, the owner, uh, was complaining about. So that's, that it sounds was, reasonable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, great. You, you packed the building every night and uh, right through the long playoff run. And we're going to, we're going so to pay us uh, more. Yeah. 
So around about the end of the negotiations weren't going um, anywhere. So around about the end of August, um, we noticed a photo on Twitter. Um, it was Dean McDonald and uh, Glenn Stanford um, all in construction garb. And this appeared on Dean McDonald's uh, Twitter uh, page. And, and they were posed at the, the new arena, the partially built new arena in um, uh, Trois-Rivières. Um, and the caption was something about, uh, uh, wow, uh, look at cities investing in new arenas. It's really nice to see, <laughs> which uh, got <laughs> the people in the, um, at least the counselors in St. John's were not very pleased. Uh, so what was he doing was, and, and, um, uh, Dean McDonald said uh, at the time he's, he was fed up with the negotiations with the St. John's uh, Council, and he, and he was he was open that he was looking for alternatives. Uh, the Trois Rivière um, Arena, four thousand seat arena, fifty six million dollar arena, um, is supposed to be completed in the spring and ready for the twenty twenty one season. So. Was Dean McDonald going to be moving the Growlers to Trois-Rivières in um, 2021? Was this negotiating uh, tactic? Well, um, it seems to have worked because by the end of September, <laughs> uh, the Growlers and, and the city of St. John signed a 10-year lease agreement to keep the Growlers at mile one. And that also includes the Edge, the, the pro basketball team, um, right. in, in the city of St. John's. Um, and Dean McDonald was quoted as saying he hopes that uh, the, the playoffs uh, this coming spring won't be as difficult as the negotiations he had with the counselors <laughs> from St. John's. <laughs> but while he was in uh, Trois-Rivières, he, he said the, the red carpet was rolled out for, for him and he met with Marc-Andre Bergeron, who has been appointed as kind of an envoy for the, the city, former um, uh, uh, hockey player. And they got along really well. Um, and so uh, Dean McDonald um, in the last couple of weeks um, went back to Trois-Rivières uh, to check on the progress and to, to have further meetings um, and so he was asked, well, you, you got your lease. And he said, no, no, it has nothing to do with the growlers. Um, you know, I'm just looking to maybe partner with locals. Um, and, uh, there should be no problem managing two separate franchises. Um, so okay. it looks like, uh, there's some talk about Dean McDonald, um, uh, being a, at least a part owner of two C ECHL fr uh, franchises, uh, last week, ECHL Commissioner Ryan Credlin was in St. John's and, and they posed for a picture. So maybe they posed for a picture with Dean McDonald and uh, Buddy the Puffin and, and um, <laughs> one of those kind of pictures. So maybe there's some, some conversations going on there. Um, and as you said, there's all kinds of speculation. Uh, is this going to be a Q team? Uh, is this going to be in, you know, there was some talk about whether this would be a, a perfect location for an AHL team for uh, the new Quebec NHL franchise, but that looks like <laughs> that's not going to happen anytime so. soon. Um, so um, there's, there's a pretty good chance 
that it's setting up for the Canadians to have an ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières with Dean McDonald. Uh, and, you know, the connection point there is Glenn Stanford, who already has a, an existing relationship, having been involved in St. John's with the Canadians, uh, and, and they're, the, the Canadians having some comfort level in him. Um, now, whether he, he couldn't certainly be involved in, in both uh, franchises, but um, we'll, we'll see if, if, if um, there's been, he's been involved in some of the discussions. Anyway, the Canadians say, um, uh, Paul Wilson just put out a, uh, the Canadian spokesperson said, uh, no developments to report. So the Canadians are keeping pretty, quiet on this whole thing, but uh, there might be some movement uh, with respect to a Canadian's ECHL franchise. Would Habs fans be able to deal with having an ECHL affiliate that's owned by someone who also owns a Toronto Maple Leafs affiliate? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, and I think that's why <laughs> Dean said, gee, we're going to need some local uh, uh, partners uh, here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, um, as we said, can't do much but try to put the puzzle pieces together because nothing out of any official channels is being said. I mean, usually things out of Montreal are as leaky as an 80-year-old faucet, and on this, it's pretty tight-lipped. So we'll continue to keep our eyes on it, ears to the ground, um, and, and give you any updates as they come along. But interesting prospect definitely something that the Canadians need. Uh, we have been, we have been a big criticizer of, of the Habs losing their ECHL affiliate ever since the day uh, that has happened. So fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. As far as this week goes, plenty. Yes, it's Turkey day. Uh, apparently the Montreal Canadians don't know that Thanksgiving in the United States is on Thursday they're playing on Thursday night. Give me a shaking my fist gif. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a holiday. But um, the night before, tomorrow night, uh, of course, as we mentioned, Laval visits Belleville tomorrow night. That is going to be a great game. I will have full coverage of that Uh on Twitter, as well as a post-game recap. Uh, it should be a good game. Um, at the same time, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms also visit their their division rival, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, tomorrow night. And then Friday, Laval travels to Syracuse uh, before they also head to Springfield on Saturday night. So three-game road trip for Laval this week. I'll have full coverage of all three of those games, so be sure you're following along uh, at the AHL report on Twitter. Keep an eye out for our full recaps. Uh, and uh, the Phantoms play at Wilkes-Barre tomorrow. They play at home against Wilkes-Barre on Friday night before they head. Uh, actually, no, they stay home on Saturday and uh, welcome the really hot Hartford Wolfpack, who this year is way at the top of the standings. Um, on Saturday night, so it should be a great weekend of hockey for for all of the teams. Be sure you're following us uh, on Twitter at the AHL Report. Of course, you can find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. And, uh, of course, uh, be sure to check us out on our Facebook pages, 
for the AHL report as well as Instagram. And uh, don't forget to be following and uh, subscribing to that All Have Hockey Magazine YouTube account and our The Flyers Report YouTube account. Um, and Rick, besides from the press box, we've mentioned Canadians Connection as well. So we know that's another podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, we also have two other podcasts, which are great for folks to listen to. That's Hab a Listen and also Habs Unfiltered. And where should people go if they want to listen to all of the Rocket Sports Radio podcasts? Well, we know you're already using uh, your favorite pod, podcast app. And uh, the, the good part about it is that you can get all four of those podcasts on your favorite podcast app. All you have to do is search for Rocket Sports Radio, Rocket Sports Radio. As soon as you get there, subscribe and you get all four of those podcasts. You'll get notifications in your inbox. And, and uh, there's something there for everyone. Excellent. We invite you to listen. And uh, as we said, feel free anytime during the week uh, to contact us on Twitter if you have something that you'd like to say. Uh, We're always happy to hear from our fans and listeners. And of course, we'll be back here next week for the first episode in the month of December. December. Next week. It's hard to believe. We will be here, so make sure that you are here. Uh, Rick, thanks so much uh, for joining me again today. Uh, I will not eat cake on Thanksgiving just for you. Um, And we'll be back here. We'll be back here again next Tuesday for another great episode of From the Press Box. And keep on wishing. Remember your dreams.